Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Resource Room Podcast, where today we are going to talk all about stopping that teacher stress with case conferences. Case conferences are something that I really, really feel like either probably stress you out and overwhelm you, or it's something that you're like, ugh, I've been to so many case conferences, nothing stresses me out anymore. So hopefully that is you, and one day, hopefully that will be you if it's not you right now. So let's talk about how can we reduce that stress. We all have like some difficult parents who maybe you get a little nervous every time you have a meeting with them. That's not really who I'm talking about here. I'm talking about your everyday average case conference with those wonderful parents, those wonderful students. That's still added stress. That's still something that you have to do. Maybe it's interrupting a group. Maybe it is finding coverage for teachers, all of the parts and the pieces. So, Here's my advice to help with that a little bit. My first suggestion is to have an ongoing checklist or maybe it's a meeting agenda, whatever it is to help you really truly be prepared. Now, I say all of this because there are times when I have forgotten things or when I get down to the conference room and I don't have the checklist that I need or procedural safeguards or whatever it is. So if you find yourself doing that, make a checklist literally from start to finish from the time you schedule that conference until the time you get that signature page. What are all of the steps? Now, you probably know what's going to come out of my mouth. As soon as you see that list, you're going to be like, holy shit, no wonder I am always stressed out. No wonder I'm always forgetting something because that list is long. Now, some of those things we do so naturally, enter progress monitoring data, pull your iReady scores, or you know, some of those things we do on autopilot, it's just part of it. But some of those things are little tedious, little details that we forget. And so with that, make yourself a checklist. Maybe you don't use it for the next forever, Once you get a good routine down, fine. But if you are new to this, or if you are just a naturally forgetful kind of person, make yourself like this working document with the list of things that you need to do. I say it's a working document because your district could change procedures. The IEP system that you use might look a little different from year to year, or even they make a a shift or a change at Christmas time. All of those things become, oh, now I've got to rechange my routine. Maybe there's something that now you want to do that 
you feel is important and you're going to kind of add it into your routine or into your procedures of holding an annual case conference. So make a list. What you write down now does not have to be the same thing that you're working from in a month or two months or two years from now, but make yourself a list. That's also really helpful if you have a new special education teacher who's hired in a year or two and you're trying to help or mentor them. If you had a list of all the steps, all the parts and pieces, that would be very helpful for that teacher or for that other person coming in that maybe you're mentoring. Plus, it helps you remember all of the little steps that you need to take to hold a case conference. It's also okay if you have a checklist for a case conference that's an annual for a kid that you've had year after year versus an initial conference, that's going to look different. A move-in conference, that might look different for you. So it's fine to have yourself different little checklists, but don't try to make your brain remember all those things. Write it down. Because if you're like me, it never fails. You're gonna have parts of what you need, but you're gonna get there and you're gonna be missing something. So do your best to make sure that you write down kind of first this, then that, what comes next, so that you don't forget. My second piece of advice is one you've heard before. If you listen to episode two of this series where I talk about paperwork, you've already heard this, but here's where it comes up again. Here's why it's important. So much of the time, we are stressed at the 11th hour, right at the very end, the night before, the hour before, whatever. We are stressed trying to get that IEP finished at my house, that would mean we're eating fast food and mama's drinking a whole lot of Diet Coke until that IEP is written. We do that because for some reason, we think, oh, I can whip this baby out in 30 minutes. An hour and a half later, you're still working on that IEP or you don't have all the parts and pieces and you're scrambling to pull the report, get in contact with a classroom teacher, whatever it might be that's holding you up. Somehow you think you're going to get it done the night before. And then when you're up till 11 p.m. or midnight, then you're like, why did I do this to myself? Whenever you are backwards planning or planning ahead, whichever way you want to go about it, if you know that that conference is due on that, why do we keep doing that to ourselves? And I am guilty too. True story. Right now, I'm recording this in mid-February. I have a conference tomorrow for a student who I've literally had all year. I have zero excuses. However, I am not the TOR because he receives deaf and hard hearing services. So she is actually the TOR, but I provide all the academic service. I'm seeing him every day. I knew that conference was coming, but Yesterday, I looked at my calendar and I'm like, oh, oh gosh, his conference is Thursday and I haven't even assessed him. I haven't even talked to his classroom teacher and giving, given her the surveys that I send or the parents. What am I doing? Why did I do this to myself? Now, my excuse, I guess, is that I wasn't the TOR. I wasn't the one to set up the conference. How did this happen? Whatever. But those are just crappy excuses. I knew, I've known since August that his conference was happening or would be happening at some point during this time. Why did I wait until two days before 
to get it together. There's no excuse. But that's what we find ourselves doing all the time. So several years ago, I do want to say that situation is the only time this year that that has happened. I have realized the errors of my way and I've kind of created a system for myself using this like planning ahead or backwards planning mindset to figure out you can't do this to yourself all the time, sister. And here's what it looks like. I like to dedicate certain weeks or certain periods of time where I'm going to hold several conferences. From there then, I can say, okay, if the third week of the month is when I'm going to hold all of these conferences, then the second week of the month, I've got to be drafting those present levels, that IP, getting some goals, that kind of thing. Well, guess what? If I'm going to have to do that on the second week of the month, then the first week of the month, I have to be doing assessments, collecting data, seeing where we're going with things like that, so that the next week I can write the IEPs and the next week I can hold the meetings. So when I say have a plan for how you're going to do that, that's what I mean. You can't wait until two days before. I mean, technically you can. It's fine if you do, but you are adding stress to your own plate. We don't want to do that. We want to take stress off of your plate. So for all of my other students that I have conferences for this month, with the exception of the one I told you about, I assessed them last week so that this week I could be writing their present levels. And then I don't have their conferences until next week or in the case of a couple of them, not for two more weeks. But last week collecting that information, though, doing those assessments, collecting data, makes this week the IEP writing so much easier. It's already done. But I'm not trying to scramble and do it in two days. And if we're being honest in a resource room setting, I'm only seeing my kids for 30 minutes a day. Part of which I'd actually like to teach them something or maybe we have a grade level assessment we have to do. So it's important to plan ahead because then I can say, oh, could you stay five minutes after our group? and get this done. Could I go get them five minutes before our group? Could I get them the last 10 minutes of my prep and sit in the hallway and knock that assessment out? There are options when you plan ahead, but sometimes we leave ourselves hanging and we put everything else ahead of what's important there. So for me, my Tuesdays and Wednesdays are dedicated to looking ahead at IEPs and seeing what's coming up what do I either already have scheduled? What do I need to get scheduled? What conferences will be next week or in two weeks so that I can be doing those assessments or writing those present levels, or maybe it's holding the conferences. But I try to dedicate Tuesdays and Wednesdays just to IEP writing and getting some of those kinds of things done. The good news is your plan doesn't have to look like my plan. Maybe that does not work for you or doesn't work for your district. That's okay. The tip, the idea, the strategy here is backwards plan. Again, we know those due dates all year long. Make a plan for if this is the week that we are going to be holding that conference, what am I doing two, in the two weeks before that to make my life a little easier so that I'm not ready to poop my pants as I'm feverishly getting things ready or walking into a meeting unprepared. In our last 
episode, in episode six, I talked a little bit about assessments and having really good assessments. I shared what I use, not that that is the end-all be-all, or that it would even work for your students because as I openly shared, I teach elementary, I'm in a resource room setting, I don't do behavior, I don't do some of those things as far as goals or what I'm selling on TPT, so it may not work for you. But if you have some really good assessments, then when you finally do sit down to write that IEP, you can write a really good IEP because you know what they can and can't do, which is great. However, when we're talking about IEP conferences, having those assessments, I also think can be very, very helpful in helping you set a positive tone, show that parent or the team that you know that student. You know their strengths, you know their weaknesses, make sure that you have those assessments so that whenever you walk into that meeting, you can confidently say what that student can or cannot do. And to me, maybe I'm weird here, I don't know. I don't always get nervous for conferences if I know what I'm talking about or if I know the student well, that doesn't make me nervous. What makes me nervous is walking in and like, oh my gosh, how much am I gonna have to BS today? Oh gosh, I don't know this child. That would make me more nervous. Actually, long, long ago, my very first year of teaching, and looking back, this was so stupid of them for making me do this because I didn't know shit at that point. But not only was I the teacher of record for my elementary school that I was at, but I also had to do a non-public school. Y'all, I didn't know anything. I barely knew what I was doing from day to day at my real job or at my, you know, my primary location, much less these kids who there was no special education teacher who served them every day. I didn't know anything. I didn't see that kid other than maybe once a nine weeks. I didn't know that child. So when I sat with their parents, I was nervous because I didn't know anything. I didn't have any great stories to tell about their kid. I didn't have any anecdotal notes to say, you know, when they're reading, this is what they do. When they're answering questions, this is what they do. When they solve math problems, this is where it all breaks down. This is what they do well. I didn't know any of that. And that made me incredibly nervous. Could have also been because I was a first year teacher and didn't know anything, but... Now, I don't walk into conferences like that because I know my kids and I can explain it very well to parents with the assessments that I have. I take a copy of those assessments and I show them to the parent. I point to here's what kind of words we were reading here. Here's what kind of words we read there. This is what I asked them to do. Look what they were doing. We talk about their mistakes and oftentimes that parent is head nodding the whole time. They're like, yep, yep, that's my kid. That's the goal. That kind of instills some peace and comfort in that parent that, you know, this teacher, she knows what she's talking about. Because yeah, maybe it's an initial conference and she's never worked with my child before, but she already knows how to help him. Or she already knows exactly what my daughter needs. Isn't that amazing? And to me, that's where good assessments come in. And that's where your confidence in that conference can come from because you know what they can do, you know what they can't do, 
And now you can really, really just tell them how are you going to help their child. And to me, that instills confidence in the parent and in you. So having those assessments to me are critical for walking into a case conference where it is low stress instead of high stress. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know this child. All of that, talking about assessments and knowing students, takes us to the last and final tip, which is relationships. Relationships are important. And you might be thinking, well, Amanda, duh, I know. Are you talking about relationships with the students, with the parents, whatever? And I think all the above. Our relationships, and as a special education teacher, our ability to form these relationships, I think is crucial to walking into a case conference that is lower stress than high stress. By being able to articulate what their child can and cannot do, share stories of things that you love about their child, you are showing that you have a relationship with their kid or you're recognizing the things that you're gonna work on and you're ready for that relationship. And meanwhile, you're also building a relationship with that parent. What could be viewed as a good or a bad um, effect of our jobs is that we sometimes get to be with our parents for years and years and years. I love that. Some people may not love that about being a special education teacher, but for me, I, as a fourth grade special ed teacher right now, I have had my students their entire school career, or at least the entire time in which they've been identified. So maybe they weren't identified until second grade, but guess who was sitting at that table handling the paperwork, seeing these students? It was me. Guess who saw them get identified as a third grader or help as a first grader? All those things. That is relationship building. And parents respond to, hey, she's working hard for my kid. She knows him. She wants to see him succeed. Those are the things. So for me, some of those tips from parenting or my parenting episode might be helpful now too, because when you feel like you have a connection or you feel like they know you love and respect their child and them, that conference is going to be instantly less stressful. Now, as you know, we all have that parent. We all have those people who just stress us out. It happens. I have nothing else to say. You know, there's not one tip that's going to suddenly make that parent a little better. But building that relationship, taking time to make those relationships better will ease the stress of case conferences. And last but not least, I feel like maybe I said the last tip was my last. I lied. I thought of another one. Here we go. Last but not least, I feel like developing a system that works for you so that you have all of your ducks in a row paperwork wise is essential. So for me, I've shared this on Instagram and TikTok this year. I created a bag um, that I call my IEP meeting bag. If I'm going to an IEP meeting, I take that bag. It literally has every single thing that I'm going to need for that meeting in it and other things I'm probably not going to need. So I love that because it helps keep me organized. Remember at the beginning I said I totally showed up to conferences without procedural safeguards 
or I have shown up without the right checklist or without this or that, that's embarrassing and it's unnecessary. I literally use the same handful of things all the time. Put it in one bag and have it there. Maybe you're like, I'm not really a bag kind of person. I'm on the go all the time. Then set yourself up a little like IEP meeting kit in the conference room or whatever. The things that you know you're going to need, get it all in one place. Get yourself organized and make sure you have all of the things that you need. And again, sitting at that IEP meeting table thinking, oh my God, I left that checklist in my room. Oh crap. What am I going to do? is so much more stressful than, oh crap, I forgot the SLD checklist. No worries, I have one in my bag. Is the student's name written on it right then? No, but guess what? I have plenty of copies in my bag. It's okay. That is more comforting. So be prepared. Have some of the things that you know I could forget in one place. Maybe it's a bag. Maybe it's a little tote in the conference room whatever it is, so that you can discreetly get the things you need without looking like you're a hot mess express. Nobody wants to do that. That adds stress. Okay, I lied. This isn't the end. I have one more thing that just popped in my head and I'm going to share it. Maybe it seems silly. I don't know. But if you are really, really nervous about conferences, if this is your first go at it or, you know, you are a new teacher or somebody else has kind of ran the show and now suddenly you have to take the reins, whatever it is, It is okay to practice these conferences. It's okay for you to sit in your bedroom or your bathroom or in the shower in the morning and practice what you might say. That's okay. It's okay to have a mentor or a teacher friend and say, okay, I'm going to run it by you and I need you to be brutally honest. If I'm an idiot, tell me I'm an idiot. If I say something I shouldn't have, tell me I shouldn't have said that. That way I can kind of practice and get some of that under my belt. Maybe you say it to your mom, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your dad, somebody at home, whatever. Practice. That's okay. Because until you get some of that comfort or ease or like, good God, I've said this sentence 5,000 times over the last two or three years. Until you get that experience, you probably will be a little nervous. That's okay. That's normal. But it's also okay to practice. Okay, how am I going to tell this parent that their kid is a little turd and really gets on my nerves? And they got to stop talking or they've got to stop fidgeting or they've got to stop whatever. We've all had those conversations. It's okay. Practice it. See, how can you find a delicate way to say, your child drives me bonkers? It's okay. Find a way to say that. Find a way to think through some of those positives so that when you do say, you know, your your student really, really disrupts a lot of the learning, even in small groups. You've also already thought of five things that you can say that are really great because you practice, because you thought of it in advance. So it's okay to practice. It's okay to talk to yourself in the shower. Talk to yourself on your drive home from school or to school or whatever. That's okay. You might look a little crazy, but that's all right. At least when you get in that conference and you're in front of a parent and an administrator and whoever else is there, at least then you don't look cuckoo. It's just by yourself in your car or your shower or whatever. It's okay to practice. Get yourself a good checklist of what you're going to do. Get some really great assessments. Build relationships. Before that conference, 
send a friendly text, send some pictures of the kids, send a, hey, I'm so excited to get to know your student. Hey, they did this. All of those things can help build that relationship and then get all those parts and pieces that you know you're going to need in a conference, get it all ready and have it there. If you are new, you might be like, Amanda, I don't know what I'm going to need. Yeah, wait till that awkward time where you don't have it and you'll never forget it again. (laughs) You'll never know. You won't know some of these things until you're in that situation and you don't have it. I've learned the hard way by a lot of things. That's where all my checklists come from because it's like, I'm not making that mistake again and that's okay. So I give you permission to make some mistakes, screw it up. Just don't keep screwing it up over and over. All right, my friends, I'm officially rambling, so I'm going to wrap it up. And next week, we're going to talk about grades in general, as well as you doing all of the grading. Um, Should be a short and sweet episode where I share my thoughts, if you care, about grades. Talk to you next week, guys. Well, my friends, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.